0: Hey, you ready to get started today? Well, we ended our series last week on love, and so this week, uh, I just want to talk to you as, a, as kind of a one-week message, really on the presence of God, and it's entitled Light It Up, and that'll make uh, a little bit more sense uh, in a moment. You have your Bibles, your tablets, whatever you use to go to the Word. Please go to the book of 1 John. That's kind of way in the back, a couple books before Revelation, 1 John chapter number 1. And when you turn there and you're ready or you've got it up on your, your tablet or your phone, uh, I'm going to ask us to do something a little different today. I'm going to ask us to stand and we're going to read God's word. We're going to pray. We're going to dive into uh, what we believe God has for us today. You ready for, for God to do something unique in your life, in your family, in this church and in this community? I think that's why we've come here today to say, you know what, God, what, what is it that you want to do? Let's get on board and in alignment with what God has planned. So 1 John chapter number 1, you're there. Please stand up, everyone, and we will read God's word and then we'll pray. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5, 6, and 7. First John chapter 1, verses 5, 6, and 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Let's pray. Father, this is your word that we've read. It is eternal. It has no beginning and no end, for it is you. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And, Lord, your word is for us and not against us. Your word is here to guide us and direct us to the very presence of the one we serve. Father, we've all gone astray. We've all blown it and gone our own way. But thank you for your grace. Thank you, God, that you take our sin when we repent and receive your forgiveness. You take that sin and you throw it as far as the east is from the west. So thank you, God, that we can walk in the light as you are in the light. Thank you. And may that be the experience of every person here today. May that be the experience of revival that reaches our community. May Jackson County and Georgia and this world be affected radically by the love and the light of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, you have downloaded into our lives your light, and therefore you declare us to be the light of the world. And Lord, help us to shine brightly, shine effectively, and to shine purely. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The truth and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that it is what every person is searching for. Every person is looking for forgiveness and acceptance and love and unity and wholeness. There is this understanding in everyone's lives that we are fractured, that we are flawed, that we're not perfect, we, we blow it sometimes. And that's in every person's life, whether they uh, an atheist or a Christian or Muslim or whatever, whatever avenue they're, go- they're on, we all recognize that we need. We need a Savior. We need something, someone greater than us that can bring forgiveness and unity and strength to our lives and cause us to live up to our very best potential. When We go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. We see that beautiful perfection. We see the power of God's creation just the way He designed it. But yet, Adam and Eve sinned and ruined their perfection. They ruined it. And it says there in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God. They had sinned. They realized, oh, now, whoa, something's broken. And when they... They heard God coming in that cool time where they were used to having fellowship and walking together and talking together. I wish I knew exactly what they were talking about or maybe the questions that were being asked or what was really transpiring between them. Maybe one day we can ask them. But they had that moment each and every day. But on this particular day, Adam and Eve decide to do something different, and that is a type of self-preservation where they, where they, they wanted to cover, they wanted to hide And the the Bible uses this terminology to describe what they did. He says they hid from the presence of the Lord. We think about the presence of the Lord. What are we really talking about? They were hiding from his fellowship, from his relationship, conversation, touch, joy, peace. That's what they, they were hiding themselves from. Now, I I don't pretend to know what they knew, but I would think that they probably saw God as God, big, giant, huge, just awesome. He's creator. And so they understood the hugeness of our God. And so did they really think they could hide from him? But, But what they're hiding from was his presence. They had two sons, Cain and Abel, and we know what happened there. Cain killed Abel, and what the Bible says is that Cain walked out or left the presence of God. We see the same thing about Jonah who was trying to run from God. It says he left the presence of God. People today hide themselves from the presence of God. I've done it. You've done it. And I want to try and bring an illustration that could really be easy for us to understand what we're going to be talking about for the next 15 minutes, and that is an illustration of light This is probably not the perfect illustration, as I don't think any illustration is really perfect, but if we look at the presence of God, there's a lot of similarities to light. We understand Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, and transitions that, you're the light of the world. We we get all that. Let's look at light for just a moment. There's a difference between direct light and indirect light. Direct light is what we feel when we go to Daytona Beach out on the beach there without suntan lotion for all day. Growing up in Daytona, it was always wonderful to watch the people who came down from up north. We called them Yankees. It was in the 60s. What do you do? You know, that's just where I lived. And it was just always wonderful to see them at the restaurants um, and just around town in the evening. You'd say, yep, you're from up north and you went down to the beach. Because they're like a lobster. They're just completely red. And we laughed. It was the 60s. You were allowed to do that in the 60s. You're not allowed to do that. Now, you can't laugh at anybody now, right? Everybody's lost their sense of humor. You with me today? Y'all just, I don't know where you're at now. You're just like, where are you at, Chris? I think that's probably what you're asking. There's a difference between direct light and indirect light. When we look at the truth of God and His presence, it would be wrong for us to say there's any place where you could go to escape from God, like you could not be in His presence. David wrote that in Psalm 139. He said, where can I go and escape from your presence? If I go to the heights, you're there. If I go down to the depths, you're there. I can't get away from you. He says, you're everywhere. So if God is everywhere, then how could they hide from the presence of God? How could Cain, leave the presence of God. How could Jonah leave the presence of God if God is everywhere? The the similarity the illustration is like light. There's direct light, which you feel on your skin, right? You feel the heat of it. Sometimes you want to go out and you want to feel that heat after a long winter. But indirect light is different. You're still in the blessing of light, but yet it's not direct. You don't feel it. It's not intense, it's much more subdued. It was about, uh, when in 2017, I think we had a uh, eclipse that really we could see very well. I, my, my dad um, and came up to uh, visit with us during that time of the eclipse, and remember we had those glasses that you had to wear, and, and I just enjoyed spending that time uh, with my dad. And uh, you just think about what comes in between the source of light in our own lives. It's well, in, in this case, it's the moon. But in a more spiritual case, it's called sin. When sin, when we sin, it's, it's it's something coming in between us and God. It is a shadowing of His light. It's a shadowing of His presence. The consequences of sin or the consequence of sin is darkness. When we decide to go our own way, the Bible says it's it's like walking in darkness. And let's take a look for just a moment of what kind of a lot of darkness would look like. Let's, let's see what, this would be what darkness would be in this room. Okay, so there's no direct light coming from the light sources. And the sun at this time of day right now is kind of above your right shoulder. It's kind of over here. There are no windows on this side. There's only four windows here. But do you see light on that wall? The light that God provides for us is so powerful that it goes from over there and it comes out over here and it swings around through those lights and it hits that wall indirectly. But we would know the difference if the sun was setting and it was coming through those, light in the, through those windows boldly, wouldn't we? Let me show you something. This, this light moving across here and coming this way shows how much God is trying to reach people who are trying to get to the darkest part of the world. How far can I get away from God? What can I do to make Him mad? What can I do to to just run from Him? What can I do? I want to do my own thing. I want to go my own way. And God is saying, I love you so much. I'm sending refracting light to every dark corner because I love you and I want to reach you. But people, some, the Word tells us, Jesus said, people love the darkness because their deeds were evil. But, you know, there's some Christians who are satisfied to live in this much light instead of direct light. God's called us to do more, right? Well, here's what about 50% light looks like, just a little bit more than what we have now. So we see, okay, there's, that's, that's better. There's more light. And some Christians are content to live in this level of light. Say, well, I'm good, I'm saved, and I'm good, and I've I've cleaned up my my mouth. I don't use profanity anymore, and so I'm, I'm good. I mean, it's not anybody in here. It's other people. It's other people that go to other churches and just sharing that so you can share it with them. We have a tendency to want to settle and say, hey, I'm good. I'm good enough. I'm better than most. Isn't that the line that you get when you talk to some people about Christ? Hey, I'm better than most people. Well, that's not the deal, you know? Do you know Christ? Are you walking in the Spirit? As they're talking about in the life group, are you walking in the Spirit, walking in connection to Him? Well, then we're gonna bring up the lights all the way, and that's that's where God's called us to live. That's where God wants us to be, in that direct light. You know, in the Old Testament, let's go to the Old Testament for a little bit. In the Old Testament, God gave... Kind of some some visual and experiential displays of his presence. He did something called the Ark of the Covenant. He told, he told the people, he said, This is what I want you to do. I want you to build a box. It was about four feet by two feet by two feet. And uh, there's some cherubim on top of that. You've seen, you know, Raise the Lost Ark, keep in there. And uh, so he said, You know, build that box. And he said, That's where my presence is going to dwell. Now, get it. He's, he's, He's talking to them in a language they can understand and something that they could get. Again, you can't box God in, right? But he's saying that's going to represent where my presence is going to be. And they took this box, and uh, there were some things that went into it. It had a lid, and they put it in what is called the Holy of Holies. It was, a, it was a basically a tented room because they were, they were nomadic and they were traveling. But the tent was like really tall, really wide, and it was thick. It was like multiple layers of cloth to where some people say it was about three inches thick. It's basically a veil. It was veiling everybody out here from being in that room where the Ark of the Covenant was representing God's presence. And once a year, the high priest, the head honcho priest, if you will, was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies to present uh, people sacrifices and ask God for, to forgive the nation of Israel once a year he was allowed to go in but you know what they did they put, <laughs> they put bells on the bottom of his garments in case the bells stopped ringing they know he dropped dead. That's scary. It's like come on just keep the bells ringing you know I don't know if he was swaying or what I don't know but it's like, And I I believe they had a rope tied around his waist because they would have to drag him out. I'm serious. That's for real. It's weird, but it's for real. But they did that because the presence of God is so powerful, so strong. It's like looking directly into the sun. You're going to have a problem. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, God is like the sun. You cannot look directly at him, but without him, you can't look at anything. You can't see him directly, but without him, you can't see anything at all. So that was the first visual and experiential example of his light and his presence and his power. But the next was what was, a, was an office called the prophet. The prophet was the one who hears from God and then speaks to the people. And he's representing the voice of god that he would he would be close to god in prayer and in fasting and dedication and he would hear hear god tell him or her and then they would give out the word to the nation of israel the second was the office of king in which the king would have the responsibility of the leadership of the country the protection of the country he would he would want to give freedom to the people to do economy and capitalism and things like that he would give freedom to the temple and temple worship but he would have a direct job of protecting the nation in a judicial sense and also in, a, in a, a military sense of keeping other enemies at bay. So the king would have to pray and seek God, and there were good kings and bad kings, but the godly kings would pray and seek God and say, God, what do you want us to do? And God would tell them, this is what the nation needs to do. This is where the nation needs to protect themselves, and that God would give direction to the king. Another visual experiential example. The, uh, the last would be that of a priest. The priest is the one who would, would take the person's sacrifice that they would come and say, man I've sinned and I need to bring this dove or goat or, or a, a lamb or a bull and I need to bring this in, and I'm offering this to as an appeasement for my sin. The Bible says that they would they would take that animal and they would slaughter it and they would take the blood and they would sprinkle it on the altar. And there was a lot of ritual involved in that. But the purpose of that was to be an illustration that the priest is the one who is the go between the people and God. Aren't you glad we don't need to go to a human priest today that we all have direct access to God because of Jesus Christ? But those three offices the prophet, the king and the priest were all there to show Israel. Okay, that's a glimpse of what is going to happen. The Ark of the Covenant in a, in a location, the presence of God in a box. The prophet, one guy, or women, women too, men and women, but specific, special, if you will, hearing from God and speaking. The king in authority, standing up, praying, hearing from God, and directing the nation. The priest taking the the animals and sacrificing and presenting them to God on behalf of the people. And yet Jesus fulfilled all three of those. The prophet, the king, and the priest. He was all three of those. And he was the sacrifice that each one of us needs. And he was the sacrifice for this world. In Matthew 4, 16, it says, the people living in darkness, this is Jesus speaking, the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. Here, Jesus is quoting the book of Isaiah, chapter number nine. He's saying, this is a prophecy from Isaiah, and I'm saying it to you now, and this is what's happening now. He said all those Old Testament examples of the Ark of the Covenant, the prophet, the king, the priest, he says, get ready, boys, something's getting ready to change. These prophecies, they're becoming fulfilled. Get ready, there's going to be a change. You ready for a change in your life? You ready for a change in your spiritual life? Are you satisfied? If you're living in like partial light, are you satisfied there? I hope and pray you're not. I hope and pray you're like, God, I want more of you. God, what change do you want in my life? In just a moment, we're gonna have a time of prayer and you're gonna have a time to express that with God. Jesus died on the cross to take away our sin. And here's the, the sequence of what happened in that moment. You know, you know the, the whole thing, he was Pilate and all of that and he mocked trial and he's denied you know, by Peter and betrayed by Judas. They take him up, put him on the cross there's seven sayings of Christ. But the Bible says in Mark 15, at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Interesting, the light of the world hanging on a cross and all of a sudden there's darkness until three in the afternoon. I believe that God was showing the people this is the state Of your life, you're in darkness. But the light of the world is dying for your sins. Man, that's a powerful God. That's a loving God. So there's darkness. And then John 19 30 says, Jesus made this last statement. He said, It is finished. It is finished. Now, if you were to translate that, you know, from the Greek to today, basically, in modern verbiage, we something we can easily understand, it's basically paid in full. It's the stamp that we all want to get when they send us the title to our car <laughs> or the mortgage on our house. Paid in full. Done. Over. It's over. You don't have any more payments to do. It's over. In other words, he's saying... he's. He was saying when they didn't know it, you're not going to have to bring any more bulls and goats and doves. You're not going to have to bring any more of that. It's paid in full, bam. Then it's done. But interesting thing happened. It's recorded in Luke 23:45. The veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. Three things are happening. There's darkness representing sin. There's the light of the world. Saying paid in full, my blood has paid for all of the sin of all of the world in full, not par- partial, not 50% of the sin, not 99.9% of the sin, paid in full, all of it. And then the veil of the temple that separates the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, and everybody else, that veil is just ripped right away. And what is God saying? He's saying, it's not a matter of God saying, hey, now I'm out, I'm free. No, God's always been free. What he's saying is now you can come in. You can come into my presence because I've paid the price. Man, that's a mighty God. He's saying, I want you to not live in indirect light. I want you to live in direct light. I don't want you to live in an indirect experience with me or relationship with me. I don't want you to kind of feel like you have part of me. He says, you get all of me. You get all of me. Just like the prophet could hear me, you're gonna hear me. Just like the priest would administer grace and forgiveness, and he would he would offer up the sacrifices. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, we offer up the sacrifices of praise, the fruit of our lips that give thanks to God. God is saying, all those things in the Old Testament that were patterns and types and shadows, man, it's coming to fulfillment now. And he, that veil of the temple just just gets torn. All right, quickly. What What are a couple of things that happen? First off, there's a restored relationship, and all of a sudden we were in darkness, and now we have a restored relationship with God. The driving force and desire in people's lives is just that relationship. The very thing that people that people are driven to accomplish or to experience or to possess is relationship, and the reason for that is because we're out of relationship with God. But once that's been restored, then we understand the process of relationship and we still desire human relationship and we should, but we understand we can't get it in ungodliness. We've got to find it in godliness. In John 8, 12, it says, when Jesus spoke to the people, it says right after he ministers to this woman who was caught in adultery. The man was caught. Well, I guess the man was let go, right? That's not right. It's not fair, is it? The woman was brought to Jesus. They're saying, hey, she was caught in adultery. The law says stone her. What do you say? You've heard it. We've talked about it. Finally, Jesus says, hey, where where are those who have accused you? She said, they've left. They're gone. He goes, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And this is the next thing he says after that. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have... The light of life. He's saying, you don't have to be born into the lineage of the priesthood. You don't have to be born into the lineage of the king. You don't have to be born into the prophets or go to a school of the prophets. You don't have to go through any of that. He's saying, if you follow me, not follow a denomination, not follow a theology, but follow a person, Jesus Christ, he said, you will have the light of of life, John 12, 46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. There's a restoration of relationship going back to Adam and Eve where we can walk with God and have the direct sunlight of His presence on our lives. Secondly, restored authority. Many people right now are sick, they're tired, they're, they're just sick and tired. That's a pretty good description. That just kind of came to me right now. That's a pretty good description of what we've been through the last time. Sick and tired of being sick. Somehow we've lost the authority God has destined for us to have, told us we can have. People are anxious today. There's an anxiety. And God is saying... I told you there were going to be some hard times. I told you. It's in this time period, things like this, where God is saying, I'm doing some pruning. I'm I'm shaking the branches. I'm sending a storm, and some of the dead branches are going to fall out. Some of those weak areas are going to fall out. Haven't there been some weak areas of your life that have just gone by the wayside during this time? You're just like, you know, I really don't need that. Maybe that's the news channels, but I'm not sure. You just said, I really don't need that. What I need is this. God said, I'm pruning. I'm doing some things. I'm restoring authority. First Peter 2.9 describes this. He says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into darkness. His wonderful, some translations say his marvelous light. There is a restoration of authority. God says, I'm giving you authority. to Trample on serpents and scorpions. I'm giving you authority to be the light of the world. He's restoring that authority. Thirdly, he's restoring purpose. Authority without purpose leads to abuse. Whether it be a spouse, a boss, a parent, and maybe an HOA president. Authority without purpose leads to abuse. Romans 1.21 says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God or gave thanks to Him, for their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. John 15.5 said, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me, you can do nothing. God's desire for every person in this room is restoration, restoration to the direct light of God. You're here today, do you know Christ? I mean, do you know him? Is, there, is it just something you've, somebody you've heard about and so, somebody you kind of went, hey, yeah, that's for them. And, but there's, yet there's still that, that understanding your life of brokenness and it's like what, there's something not quite right I don't see things the way I should see them. I just why 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 aren't I living a life filled with purpose and joy and gratitude and peace? Could it be that you're in such indirect light that you're way over here in the corner, and God is saying, "I'm I'm shining. I'm still shining on you. I'm still showing you, but I've got more light for you. I have more of my presence for you." See, First John one seven, going back to the original verse says, "But if we walk in the light," As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. God has called you to walk with someone, and that's Jesus. He's called you to walk with someone, not by laws and principles, but with him. That's how God wants you to walk, for as we walk in the light, as he is in the light. God's called you to walk in fellowship. Not, not strict adherence to rules and regulations, but to walk in fellowship like Adam and Eve, walking in the cool of the day and having conversations and having joy and peace and touch and, and, and all of that. God's called us to do that, to walk in fellowship and all of those things that were lost in the garden. And God's called us to walk free from sin in the direct light of God's presence. He said, if we do that, then the blood of Jesus forgives us of our sins and we're walking in harmony and unity with him. My, co- my question today to us is that are you living in the light that God has wanted you to live in? Or are you living somewhere in the shadows? Are you, are you living somewhere to say, well, I'm good enough. My, I'm OK. I mean, I'm going to heaven. But doesn't don't you think God has more for you than just say, well, I, yeah, I'm going to make it? That's pr- that's primo. That's nothing better. But I'm saying God in this life, he said, I, I want to build some of you to be prophetic some to be leaders, and some to be having gifts of mercy and giving and all those gifts of the Spirit that operate within us that have to be understood and built up and, and have the Holy Spirit speaking to us and through us about how to minister those and how to live inside of those. He said, I've got that light for you. I've got that fellowship of joy. Man, there's a time period in right now that people are having a tough time with joy. We've been just—it's like when is this stuff going to end? When's all this going to be over with and done? You know, we haven't talked about viruses much at Oak Crossley. We're just trying to leave it outside the four walls, and we're not going to start talking about it. But I am for a moment. I'm just saying, hey, I don't know when this is all going to end, but I do know the one who's going to outlast it, and that's God and those who are going to maintain light in Christ. Those are the ones that are going to outlast this thing. So maybe another month, and maybe another six months. I don't know. But I know, I am determined, as for me and my house, we're going to outlive this thing because we're going to serve the Lord. Amen? That's what God's called us to do. So the question is, are are you living in in the light that God has for you? Are you just kind of falling back a little bit? God's saying, all right, I'm going to stir it up. Come on, let's go Let's stir it up. Let's get back to Adam and Eve. Let's get to the fullness of God's light in His presence. Let's pray.